Didn't you enjoy that singing tonight? My soul. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Can't wrap my mind around the Lord's love for me, but I sure am thankful for it. Don't understand it, but as the old preacher said, that's my king. I thank God for it. And uh, I can't express to you really what's in my heart, what I feel, but I, the best I can say is thank you. And uh, certainly made us feel welcome right at home, and uh, we felt like royalty walking in this room. And you didn't just make us feel welcome, but boy, we felt right at home when worship started, making much of Jesus Christ. And I love you, Pastor. And like you said, I've not, got the, I've not had the privilege of knowing him in person for a long time. I've heard about him for many years now. And uh, then I had the chance of meeting him last year through Brother Abel and Sister Lauren Seats, and we loved them. And uh, he's like a brother to me, and I appreciate how God's used him in my life, and him and, and Lauren. And then to hear what God done for them just a couple of weeks ago, praise God. And hear about the 101 professions of faith in the Lord Jesus, that's incredible. That is incredible. Praise God. And Brother Pope, I'm so thrilled to hear what God is doing in different locations, what God is doing in this church, what God is doing up the road, down the road for us. And like he's saying, God allowed us to purchase 81 acres of land. And uh, to God be the glory, we could take the whole service tonight and tell you the story. We're not going to do that at this time. But uh, God's so good to us. And if we just get back to believing that we serve a God who's still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, it'd blow our minds what we could still see God do. And to think about what God has done in this church already. I mean, we were coming up the road and saw the old church. And then to see this what God has done for this place, in this church, what a blessed people you are. And we're so blessed, me and my wife and Brother Luke and Sister Maddie, his fiance, are with us tonight. And we're blessed to just be a part of it. And uh, one of the greatest blessings in my life is my wife is 25 days, if my boy comes on time, from giving birth to our first child. And she might not look like she's that close, but I told her she's going to give birth to a peach. And uh, she said, I'll be all right with that. And uh, God is so good, so good. The greatest life you could ever live is a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say this and we'll jump into the text tonight. I could not help but notice as the choir was singing to see all those young children up in the choir. And there's a few of them, I don't mean to embarrass them, but I saw them along the front with their hands raised towards heaven. And I'm thankful that young children are still learning about the old time way of worship. And we thank God for that. Thank the Lord for the men that's preached already, Brother Gary, Brother Barry, and I feel like my name needs to be Terry. I don't know. <laughs> my father-in-law is Terry. Uh, I'm just, I'm not that way. But I, I appreciate both of those men have had a great influence in my life growing up at youth camp. Brother Gary Blaylock was a counselor. I've known him my whole life. And, uh, and then Brother Barry Rackley, what a blessing. He's been in my life too and in my ministry. Made statements early on as I was just getting started that I've never forgotten. And, uh, and just to be in this place, preaching for your pastor, preaching with these men in this conference, what a privilege it is. If you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Hebrews. Let's go together with, to Hebrews chapter number four tonight. And I understand that the conference is about magnifying Christ. And, and I want to do something tonight, go a slightly different route, although it's in the same train of thought. We understand that in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. 
And that word is, of course, Jesus Christ, the Son incarnate. In Psalms chapter 40 and then in Hebrews chapter 10, we find that Jesus was a fulfillment of that, where he said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. And Jesus Christ was the word incarnate, but now we have the written word. And everything we know about the Lord Jesus tonight, the way we know how to magnify him is through the blessed pages of the word of God that you hold in your lap tonight. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that is the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had the children come out of the nursery. They always sing happy birthday to those who had a birthday that week. And so they come running out. It's like turning the zoo loose. It's like the jailbreak, whatever you want to term it, classic. And uh, after they got done singing, I said, hey, listen, I said, you all know the B-I-B-L-E. I said, let's all sing together. So I had the church to lift up their Bibles, and we sung right along with them. And as brothers talking about, as we all sung, it's like one big choir. And, uh, and something jumped out to me as they were singing that song, and I had them sing it again. And then I went over what had stuck out to me, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone, not a stand with. Not a stand beside or behind or in front of, but I stand alone on the word of God. It is my authority. It is what goes. Whatever it says is what I do. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And if you're thankful for the Bible tonight, say amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, I want to read one verse and you can keep your seat. Verse number 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow, what a book. What a book. Father, in Christ's name, I pray that you'll help us to make much of the word of God tonight. Fathers, we desire to draw closer to Jesus and magnify the Lord. Father, what we know about Jesus comes through the pages of this blessed book. Father, I pray tonight that we will leave this place with a greater love for the Word of God than we've ever had before. I pray God help us realize how blessed we really are to hold in our lap, to possess in our library the book of God, the Bible. I pray in Jesus' name may we not just appreciate the Bible, but may we live by the Bible, read the Bible, study the Bible, apply the Bible, to meditate on the Bible. Father, may we all be students of the Word of God tonight because, Father, we know that as students of the Word of God, we will be students of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, teach us your ways. Teach us your will as you do it through your Word. Father, bless this dear pastor and his wife, Sister Tammy. Thank you, Lord, for a man with a vision. Thank you for a church that loves God and that supported their pastor and following the vision you put on his heart. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, may the blessings of Almighty God rest on this place. Do greater things still in the days ahead. And Father, we give you the praise. Thank you, Father, for this open door. We're careful to give you praise for it and glory and honor for all that you're about to do, all that you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, as we magnify the Lord through the Word of God, I want to talk to you about three wonders of the Word of God. Three wonders of the Word of God. Now, as we reflect on this week leading up to Easter on Sunday, we're reminded of all that the Lord Jesus went through. We understand that we, what Christ went through because we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they give us a detailed account of the, lives, the Lord's life and ministry. 
And so everything good in our life comes from the Word of God. Everything, whether it's directly or indirectly, that God has done in your life comes through the pages of the Word of God. And Brother Pope, I believe with all of my heart that what we need in this day that we're living in is a revival of love for the Word of God like we've never had before. In other words, that book that you're holding in your lap tonight, it is the breath of God. It is the inspired, inerrant, infallible, preserved Word, the Word of God, the Bible that you and I have been blessed with. Do you realize tonight that there are people all around this world that do not have the Bible in their language or they're not allowed legally to carry the Bible in public or they have it in their possession? If they've got it, they have to hide it. But you get to come into church tonight and not have to look over your shoulder who's watching you. You get to boldly proclaim, I love the Word of God, hold the Word of God, read the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, study the Word of God, live by the Word of God, and not fear persecution. I don't like the way this country is going like you, I'm sure. But thank God we still got the freedom and liberty to hold in our hands the Word of God tonight. We need to be appreciative because through these pages we learn about the blessed Son of God who died for us. First of all, the first wonder I see that's mentioned to us in verse number 12 of Hebrews chapter 4, the wonder is it is alive. He says it is quick for the Word of God is quick. And that simply means, as you know, alive. And the Word of God, let me let you know a secret, is a living book. Hold it to your ear and you'll hear it speak. It lives, it breathes, it talks, it walks, it's alive. And in my library, I've got many books, but no book is like the Word of God. Those words are nothing but words on pages in a cover, collecting dust. Not a one of them speak to me like the Word of God does. They tell me if things have happened, but they cannot tell me what's about to happen or what is happening. They are dead. They tell about great exploits of men and women long ago. They tell stories about whatever the subject is on. But the Word of God is alive. It speaks if you allow it to speak to you. A lot of times we admire the Word of God and we'll say, I love the Word of God. But we've got to get back to believing that and living by it. That you've got a book that is alive tonight. And through this book, we learn about the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Why do the songs that were sung tonight, and it was wonderful singing from the choir, the congregation, all the special songs. Why do those songs mean something to us? Because of the Word of God. It's through the Word of God we know that he lived and he died and he was buried and rose again on the third day for our justification, our salvation. It's through the Word of God that we have faith and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. If you're saved, it's a result of the Word of God. It's alive. You know, I, there's many skeptics, many critics of the Scripture. We're all aware of that, right? There's a lot of people that tell you that if you believe the Word of God and you live by the Word of God, that you're, you're funny, you're weird, you're odd, you're ostracized. Uh, children, if you're in school, a lot of your teachers may not understand the stand that you take. Your friends, your peers may make fun of you if you stand on the Word of God. But God, in the end, will have the last say. Always remember that. But there are more critics, it seems like, than there are believers, and don't you just love it when someone comes up and they try and throw something in your face and they say, oh, but right here's a contradiction in the word of God. And they don't expect you to have an answer or a comeback. But, oh, my Bible has no contradictions. 
And what these people have encountered for far too long is a naive, passive church that when the word of God is attacked, we have nothing to come back on. We don't even know our Bibles like we ought to. God helped me to know it more than what I do. But everything in the Bible, 66 books of a perfect Bible that God has handed down to us, written by more than 40 authors on three continents and three languages over the space of 1,600 years, and not one flaw whatsoever. The Bible that you hold in your lap tonight does not contain truth. It is truth. Every part of the Bible is true. From Genesis, Revelation, God's creation in a Genesis account, all the way to the end of the time in the book of Revelation is true. You say, do I believe, really? That Jonah was swallowed by a whale? Absolutely. And we've heard this one said before, and I believe it to be true as well, that if the Bible said that Jonah was the one who swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too. I believe it because it is in the Word of God. And you say, oh, how naive that is. No. Everything in your book, that Bible, can be backed up. And if they want to point to science, let's go to science. If they point to archaeology, let's part to archaeology. Every story in your Bible, you can stand on unapologetically and know this is the Word of God. Here's why that's so important. Because if you do not believe that stories like Jonah and the whale, or Noah and the ark, or Moses in the Red Sea, if you do not believe stories like that are true, if you try and cherry pick stories in the Bible, then what's to say the story of the resurrection is true? Either all of it is true or none of it. And I choose to believe tonight that every part of it is true. Every word of it. Now, one of my favorite characters to study in the Word of God is Joshua. I love Joshua. And how God allowed him and a whole other generation to enter in to the Canaan land. And I think about how God blessed him. I think about Calvary Baptist Church and how God has allowed you to cross those Jordans and how God's taken you in the promised land and what God is doing in this place. We give God glory for it, right? Joshua, when he come over and crossed the Jordan River, they come to Jericho. Remember Jericho? Well, a lot of people for years have scoffed and made fun of that and said, you know what? The Bible story of Jericho and the walls falling down are false. They're not true. That's what they want us to believe. But there's a man out of California, Professor Tom Myers, who got to doing some research. He got to looking over there in the ruins, around the remains, where Jericho was. And here's what he discovered. That true to the Bible, you remember as a student of the Word of God, what happened? God told Joshua to lead the children of Israel to march around the walls of Jericho for six days on the seventh day. The walk around blow the trumpets and they come tumbling down. Well, this professor got over there with his team of archaeologists, world famous, and got to looking, and sure enough, he discovered in the rubble, the only wall in the world known like this was around Jericho had collapsed. And it's as if the wall fell outward and provided a ramp for Israel to crawl across and invade the city of Jericho. That's not all. The Bible teaches us that not only did the walls collapse, but that they came into the land of Jericho, they conquered the inhabitants, they set the land of fire, and the Bible also lets us know it was around the time of harvest. You know what they discovered digging around in those remains of ancient Jericho? Not only the collapsed walls providing a wall or a ramp for Israel to invade, they found charred remains where the city was lit on fire. And buried beneath the remains, they found jars of grain around the time of harvest. Oh, that's just one story in the Bible that for years people said is not true. How, how does God allow walls to come tumbling down? God did it, and there's proof of that. 
And that's one. There's not one story in your Bible that cannot be backed up or proven. God's word is true. So the first thing is your, your Bible is an alive book. It's a living book. Why is it so alive and why is that so important to us? Because it speaks to us today, not to just those back then. I'm thankful that we serve the same God today as Joshua served back then. We serve the same God now as Moses served, as Daniel, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego served. We serve the same God who gave us a book as an example to tell us that as they believe God, we can believe God. So when God leads the church into a vision, you can believe God. Why? Because you have stories of faith that build your faith. Let's read Hebrews 11. It's a living book. Every part of this Bible can be backed up and proven. Every bit of this Bible can be believed and stood upon. Century, as one author says, century follows century. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, despised and torn to pieces. Storms of hate swirl around it. Atheists rail against it. Profane, prayerless punsters make fun of it. Unbelief abandons it. Thunderbolts of wrath smite it. The flames are kindled about it. But yet the word of God still stands. Despite all of the innumerable attempts of Satan to attack and to rid this world of the Bible, it still stands. Why? It's a living book. They say there's around 5 billion Bibles that have been sold worldwide. That's a lot of Bibles. Nine out of every 10 households in America are believed to have a copy of the Word of God in their house under their roof. But yet you look at how Satan time and time again tried to stamp out people that were translating the Word of God or carrying the Word of God, but yet it still stands stronger and mightier than ever before. It's a living book. The Word of God is quick. It's quick. Look at your Bible tonight. That book you hold in your lap, it's living. It's living. Promises and vows have been made by kings and emperors but rid this world of the pages that you hold in your lap, but you still hold them tonight. The first wonder of the word of God that we learn about is it is alive, it is quick. Number two, we find that the second wonder mentioned in Hebrews chapter four, verse number 12, he says here, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's powerful. That means that it is not only alive, but it means it is active. It's active. Your Bible is not only reliable, it is relevant. It doesn't matter what age you are. It's an ancient book that never ages. And the word of God that you hold in your lap tonight was good for our grandpa and grandmas, for our forefathers, for the founders of this nation. And how many know that our nation was founded on the principles of the word of God tonight? No matter how they want to rewrite the history, we know what the truth is. But not only did it work for them back then, it works for us tonight. It's active. It's powerful. It's at work in our life. Hannah W. Smith said this, the Bible is a statement, not of theories, but of actual facts. Things are not true because they're in the Bible, but they're in the Bible because they're true. And we believe that, that God has given us a word that today we can stand on. Whether you're on the job site, whether you're in the halls of a school, whether you're in the aisles of a church, you can stand unashamedly, unapologetically on the word of God. It is relevant. Thomas Watson Samuel Lee said this, the scripture is a library of the Holy Ghost. 
It is a code of divine knowledge, an exact model, and a platform of religion. I remember when I was 17, I preached a message on this subject. It may be old-fashioned, but it's not outdated. And there are some things that are old-fashioned, but not the Word of God. It'll never be outdated. It has something for every one of us. Through the Word of God, we learn all about salvation. We learn about God's plan of redemption. Did you know that through the Word of God, you learn that God created every one of you with a purpose? On a purpose? As Brother Pope alluded to a moment ago, all the professions of faith, those who received Christ, how wonderful. One thing that blessed me so much when I realized this as a young Christian was simply nothing profound, just this little statement. God not only saved you from sin and hell and punishment, saved you from some things, but God saved you for some things. God didn't just save you to sit on a shelf or sit on a pew or in a chair and watch everybody else. God didn't just save you to be a spectator and watch everybody else get involved in the worship. And the one thing I love about Calvary Baptist Church is I felt like everybody was on the welcome committee tonight. Man, we shook hands with everybody, I believe. Wonderful. God has a place for you. And God created you for a purpose. God saved you for a purpose. Saving you from hell. I don't mean no disrespect, but that's the least on the list. God saved you to bring him glory and to do what God has called you and created you to do. God saved you for a reason. And through the word of God, Paul talks about this to the church of Thessalonica, that you may understand what the will of God is for your life. God, is it your will for me to be in the ministry, to sing, to help Pastor Pope? Work on a job site, teach in a school. What is your will for my life, Lord? The Word of God has the answers. It's so cliche, almost redundant, that we think about, we say, well, the Bible has the answer for everything, but it does. It's relevant, it is active, it is powerful. In your life, you have an answer, you can go to the Word of God. Is it gonna have your name written down? Have I ever went to the Bible and said, oh, it says Ethan Michael Green, Uh, this is what you do? no. But through the stories of those I've read about, through characters in the Bible, through commandments God has given, God has lifted it off the page and through the Holy Spirit applied it to my life personally. And so as I read the word of God, the pages of this book, God has made known to me what his perfect will is. Now, Brother Pope, I noticed earlier we saw Jeremiah 33.3 flashed on the, the slides on the walls. And that was the very verse that God lifted from the pages of the word of God. No doubt he's done that for many other people. But for me, it was so real as if God brought it off the page when we were praying about buying 81 acres of land. I had a verse. I had a promise. I stand on the word of God. God made that clear. God said, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things shall know us not. God said, believe that. And I said, I don't want to. Lord said, believe it. I said, yes, Lord. I felt like it's going to be a sin if I didn't. And God gave that verse, and guess what God's done? He showed us the great and mighty things which I've never seen before. God did it. Your pastor and his wife, Brother Abel, Sister Lauren, were on that mountain on that Friday night of the first week, and we watched God take what was going to be a youth-emphasized service, and God blow the top off that mountain. And he's talking about the Shekinah glory. It is as close, as he said, as I think it could ever be right there. I'm praying for more this year. But God took a service where a church, a handful of people, believe God bought this mountain and God turned that youth-emphasized service into a given service. We dedicated the mountain to God and God blew the top off of it. And God helped us through that service to help pay off the mountain. 
We've seen God do things. What I'm saying is when God gives you a verse, God gives you a promise, stand on that. It is powerful. It is active at work in your life. Don't just talk about this. We've got to have someone that stands up and says, I actually believe what he's saying tonight. That when your pastor says, turn in your Bible to such and such passage, that you believe this is the word of God to you. That when you read these words, for without faith it is impossible to please God. That I'm not just reading the words of the author of Hebrews. I'm reading the word of God to me. And when we read for the word of God is quick and powerful. We're not reading the words or opinions or commentary of some man It's the word of God. This is what God says about the book you hold in your lap tonight. God said that the book you hold called the Bible is quick and powerful. It is active. It's active. We have to believe it. I think about what the man of God said of yesteryear, W.A. Chris Well, and I quote, if every drop of the Pacific Ocean were to dry up and turn into a dead lake, this book would still be the fountain of the water of life. If that vast granite flint rock mountain range called the Sierra Nevada should finally turn into heaps of dust, this book, the Bible, would still be the rock of ages. If the very stars were to grow old and dim and go out, this book would still be the light of the world. If the time were to come when the very atomic elements of this creation were to melt with fervent heat, this book would still be the witness to the coming heaven and new earth. Thank God for the word of God that is not only alive, is active. I'll share this with you and I'll move to my third and concluding point tonight. We had a young lady, she's 22 years of age at her church. She'd been coming for about two years, I guess. Before that, she'd just been saved. She's 19 when she received Christ into her heart. Her testimony is this, that she never grew up in church, ever. And she said that I went to VBS, Vacation Bible School, once for only a couple of nights. And that's all I ever knew about God or church or the Bible. She's been all over this country. They moved around with her parents. It was a, it was a difficult situation growing up. She said when she was 19, after high school, she finally heard about Jesus. And by faith put her trust in Jesus as her personal Savior. She said, I go to meetings because when I got saved, I just wanted more about Jesus. I just, whoever this man who was, that saved me, I just wanted to know him. And she said, I come into a service just like what you were in tonight. And she said, take my seat. And she said, the preacher being a big way of preaching, he said, you remember that time when, uh, when Moses lifted up his rod over the Red Sea and it parted? And she said, outwardly, I'm doing what everybody else is doing. Saying, uh-huh. And she said, inside, I'm doing, I've never heard of that. She said, the preacher get up and Say, you remember that time when Jonah was swallowed by the great fish, the whale? And she's doing what everybody else says, trying to blend in, saying, oh, yeah. She's like, I've never heard of that. She said, I never knew those stories. She said, I never heard the words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that, Right? I, I, I remember the very first verse I memorized, that's probably six or seven. John 14, six, Jesus saith unto him, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by him. I, I don't remember a time in my life when I did not know the stories of Joshua and the walls of Jericho. I, I don't remember a time when I did not know about the cross. When I was eight years old, God made that real to me and showed me I needed Jesus. And I put my faith and trust in more than just a story character but in the savior who died for me but I always knew about it and she said this she said so instead of always going to church and trying to 
catch up and figure out what they're talking about. She said, I went to a bookstore and I bought a children's story Bible. The only thing in that Bible was pictures, illustrations of all the major stories in the scripture. And she said, I went home at 20 years of age, 20-year-old girl in the Bible belt. And she said, I started flipping through the creation. Cain and Abel. What about Joseph and Potiphar? What about God bringing up Abraham and Isaac? She said, for the first time, God made that real. And she said, I now can't get enough of it. And she's enrolled in an online Bible college taking hermeneutics and she's studying the scriptures and she's in apologetics and she's studying more about the word of God, how to defend her faith and be, she can't get enough of the word of God, faithful three times a week, always in church trying to eat it up. Why? Because what she has found out is though the world says it's outdated. It has something for her at 22 years of age. Here's a young woman now that though she doesn't know all the stories, though she's still a new babe in the Lord Jesus, though she's learning all of this, that she knows that this Bible is the guide. It is a handbook. If you're praying about marriage, the will of God for your life, finances, whatever it is, the will of God, the Bible has the answer to it all. Last of all, the word of God, look with me in verse number 12 once more. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive, it's active, and you have to allow it to be active in your life. You, you can't expect the Lord to speak to you if you've got a shut Bible. Open your Bible and let the Lord speak to you. And don't just allow your pastor, your pastor studies, and he, that ought to spur you forward. It ought to whet your appetite that when your pastor digs in the word of God, Lord, how did you show our pastor that message? Man, he, he got that out of this passage? Man, I, I want to do some studying on my own too. When your pastor gets up, it ought to be something that challenges you that you don't just close your Bible and leave it till the next service rolls around, but day in and day out, you live by the word of God. It is your bread. Not only is it quick, alive, powerful, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, it's advantageous. Isn't that a big word? Advantageous. There's advantages to the word of God. This book that is so powerful, that is quick and powerful, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It knows how to pierce even to the dividing asunder soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It knows you. Isn't it amazing when you read through the word of God? It's almost like when the preacher gets up and you say, man, who told the preacher what I was going through? What is that? The word of God. It's alive, it's active. And if you'll allow the word of God to speak to your heart, it's advantageous. If you say, yes, Lord, I receive the word of God. It is a discerner of the intents of my heart. God, I accept it. I agree with the, what the man of God is saying. He's preaching the book of God. I agree with that. God will bless you. This is the book. If you obey what it says, God will open up the witness of blessing on your life. If you want to know God's will and want God's blessings, do what God says and get in the word of God and study and read and meditate and believe it. Don't just talk about it, but believe it. Let God's word be your guide. And, and parents, I, I, I don't know anything about this. I'm 25 days plus. If he's like the rest of my family, a green, he's going to be late like the rest of us all the time. 
It's a miracle I wasn't late tonight. I just about was. I missed the turn and kept on going. Thank the Lord for GPS. But how am I going to raise my little boy? Sure, education is important. Sure, it's great. But my boy needs to know the text of the Word of God. The greatest thing my boy could ever know is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And I'm all for higher education. I'm all for college, university, all if that's in the will of God. But above all of that, if your child knows Jesus and knows the will of God for their life, that is success. That is success. Not what the world says is success. Well, the word of God and living by is true success. And if your child knows God and loves God, that is success. How are they going to love God and know about God? Through the word of God. And it has to come to a point in their life where they make the God of the Bible their personal God. It's advantageous. I brought my books, some of them. And I promise I wasn't coming in with my library. And uh, they're all King James. I've got several Bibles. Thank God for the Word of God. Unlike Andrea, who didn't know what I knew, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home with a preaching daddy and a praying mama. I'm not just saying that as another cliche statement, but I, I literally remember my mama taking her closet and making it a prayer closet. I, I don't know of one single day in my life where I did not get up and see my daddy sitting at the kitchen table studying the Word of God. They, they lived it. They were the same outside as they were in the pulpit, behind the pulpit. I'll never forget that my dad and my mom took me to a little bookstore. I was six years old. And they said, Ethan, you can pick out whatever you want to. I mean, I'm, I'm, VeggieTales, big time. Loved VeggieTales. But, but I ran over there. And I saw this little Bible. As a six-year-old boy, and I said, I want this. And my mom and dad bought me the first Bible that I can remember ever having. I remember as my dad would preach, I wasn't saved until I was eight. So I'd, I'd sit there while I was preaching. I thought, man, he's getting long-winded tonight. So I'd go through the same page that I'd flip, and I'd say, man, look at all the colors on Noah's Ark and the rainbow. Man, that's amazing. It passed time. I'd, go through, I'd flip through this thing so many times. There's Samson. What I didn't realize is that holding the Word of God, it was a living book. What I didn't realize is it was actively working on me, though I didn't realize what was happening. What I didn't realize is all those little pictures and illustrations I'm looking at God's working faith in my heart. What I didn't realize is when I flipped over here and I saw Jesus holding the little children, I, I, I believed that he loved me because I was a little child. I flipped the page and I see Jesus before Pilate. And God started working that faith. It's advantageous. It, it's, it's going to the heart of the matter. I didn't even realize it and as an eight-year-old boy. My mama's reading a Bible story about the crucifixion right before Easter. And she said, Ethan, she said, Jesus did that for us. And I said, Mama, I said, he did it for me. And she said, he did it for you. I've never been to Israel. I want to go. But it's like Jesus took me all the way over. And I got to see the cross. And Jesus on that cross. 
and Jesus made it real for the first time in my life, it all traces back to the Word of God. I was on my way to revival one night with my dad. He's driving a Ford Escape, and, uh, and I, I told him, I said, Dad, I left my Bible. And uh, you can't be a preacher's kid and leave your Bible. I mean, just don't, you know, he said, well, we're already late, but, but we'll go. And we stopped at a Walmart, and we got a little couple dollar worth Bible. And, and, and I got this uh, July 8th, 2005. Had, I wrote it down, saved April 8th. And this Bible, what I did not realize is picking up a little Bible that I thought I just left the old one would become my best friend. I'd read through this Bible for the very first time in my life. I have 44 signatures. Brother Barry Rackley is one of them in this Bible. Gary Blaylock's another. And I, 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 preachers were my heroes. And I read through this Bible. I started marking scripture. I started memorizing scriptures out of this Bible. And this Bible, this one was working faith in my heart. But this one, I'm really believing it. And now I'm saved. And now it's the word of God that's speaking to me. One Christmas, my grandparents got me this Bible and it had my name on it. I said, man, all my other kids are playing, my cousins are playing with toys and everything. But I'm just, I'm so amazed that I have a Bible that has my name on it. I remember when I was 14, I was struggling with God's will for my life. I saved when I was eight. I, was, I wanted God's will for my life so bad. And remember, I took this Bible up there behind my dad's house on the mountain farm. I'm wrapping up. I, I took a shovel in one hand and this Bible tucked under my arm in the other. I walked to the top of a mountain and I, I started digging a little spot as far off as I felt like I could go. There's no trails, no nothing. I went as far from anything I could possibly get just where it's going to be me and God. I just need some private time with God. Took the little shovel. I started shoveling off a little level spot and I, I laid my Bible down on a big old rock, a boulder, and I walked around the woods gathering stones, rocks. I started stacking rock on rock on rock. Once I got certain, I dropped to my knees. I laid that Bible open. I said, God, all through the pages of this book that I've been reading, from the time I was six and seen the pictures, illustrations, to now I'm reading and understanding what you're saying. God, all through this book, I know that if you've done it for them, the characters of this Bible, Moses and Abraham and Noah and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of these characters of faith, that if you showed yourself mighty and strong to them, you can do it to me. And God, if you spoke to Samuel, little boy, then God, you could do it to me. And I opened up this Bible and said, God, I just want your will for my life. Didn't know that less than a month later I'd be kneeling in an altar with this same Bible, tears dripping off my cheek, saying, God, you can have my life. And I surrendered my life to preach. Amen. Then my wife got me a couple years later. I preached my first message out of this one, and then my wife bought me this one. I preached my first message at Victory, where I'm at. Been there over four years now. It was this same Bible that God gave me the promise, Jeremiah 33, verse 3. It's been the same book that I got the clutch in my hands as I watched God morning and evening, morning devotions, night service for five weeks on top of a mountain, do the impossible, lead countless souls to Christ, watch several, seven young men answer the call to preach. The Bible, I've seen God do it until finally pages were coming out of it. And I laid it up on the shelf. I got the Bible I preached out of tonight. Brother Pope, I couldn't help but think as I was traveling down the road tonight that maybe 
God will let me use this Bible to lead my little boy to Jesus one day. And that from my little Bible as a six-year-old boy to this one, everything good in my life from then to now is because the Word of God. I'm saved. I know Jesus. I'm walking with him. I'm in the will of God for my life. I'm pastoring a church. I was voted in when I was 21. God's given us 81 acres of land. I just turned 26 last Sunday. God's given us a little baby on the way. Going to be here in a month. God's given me a beautiful wife. God's been good to me. And every bit of it is attributed to the word of God. Everything I know about Jesus comes from the word of God. And all I can do is blow air kisses to Jesus right now until I get to kiss his feet one day. But I also get to take this Bible and love on it. You say, preacher, you're being fanatical. Call me whatever you want to. But without the book, I wouldn't know God. Without this book, I wouldn't know God loves me. Without this book, I wouldn't know that God has hope for us and that there's hope for the future. Without this book, I wouldn't know there's hope for America and hope for our children and hope for the next generation. Without this book, I wouldn't know none of it. I'd be depressed living on the back of a mountain somewhere, if not in hell already. If not for this book, the wonders of the Word of God, it's alive. Can you hear it? It's active. It works in your life. And it's advantageous if you'll live your life by the precepts of the word of God. God will bless your life. Because I started by saying we need a revival of the love for the word of God. Maybe it'd be a good night for you to grab your Bible. And say, Lord, I want to take my Bible with me. And I just want you to know how thankful I am. I can know Jesus, that I can magnify Jesus because I know Jesus and I know Jesus because of the book. Everything good in your life tonight, you'll find it in the Word of God. It's a result of the Scripture. Brother Pope's coming, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. My God, help us love it more than we've ever loved it before. My God, help us not only read it, but obey it. It's not just a book for information, but for application. And God, I'm thankful that, Lord, you saved Andrea. And I'm thankful for how she's growing in her love and knowledge of the Word of God now. But I'm so thankful that I had parents that taught me the Word of God, took me to church. I pray, God, if there's a young person in this room tonight that's in the same shape, may they have a heart full of gratitude for a mom and dad, a church that loves on them and the Word of God in their lap. How blessed, Father. We really are. God, help us. We cannot magnify Jesus like we should. If we don't have an understanding of the word of God, thank you, Lord, for the scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Man, what a message. What a message. Well, the Lord has laid some things on my heart tonight while the preacher was preaching. And I want to talk to you about it tonight if I could. But before I get there, let me ask a question. Is there anybody here tonight? Is there anybody here this evening? And you'd say, preacher, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Without anybody looking around, just for a moment, if that's you, preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up very quietly so I can pray for you? Is there one like that anywhere here tonight? 
All right. Best I can tell, that means everybody here tonight professes to be born again. Here's what the Lord's laid on my heart. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, something very, very bold tonight. Several things. Number one, if you're here tonight and you feel it would be the will of God, here's the first thing. If you would say tonight, by the grace of God, from this day on, April the 12th, 2022, until the day of my death, with God being my helper, I won't miss a day spending time in the Bible. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. Number two, you're here today and you say, Pastor, by the grace of God, and after hearing this message, I'm going to increase my Bible reading. I'm reading a few chapters today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read more. I'm reading a few verses today. I'm going to start reading a chapter. But I'm going to increase my Bible reading. If you're here tonight and you would come to this altar and and you say, Pastor, I've got a hunger for the Bible. And tonight you would come and pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, would you please teach me this book? It's not enough for my pastor to know it. Lord, I want to know it myself. And there's a fourth thing. If you're here tonight and you're a parent... And tonight, God would lay it upon your heart tonight to start faithfully a family altar in your home. Say, Pastor, what's a family altar? That's just a time every every night where you'll take some time, turn the television off, turn the games off, turn the radio off, and get your family together in the bedroom, maybe when you tuck the kids into bed, And you'll say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a few verses in the Bible. And we're going to have a prayer before we go to bed. If you're here tonight and you would do one of those four things, God's dealing with your heart. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And I'm going to ask you to make your way to an old-fashioned altar. I remember the day. I remember the day when God dealt with my heart. And I'm ashamed to tell you this church, it was in Bible college. That's way too late. It was in Bible college where God dealt with my heart. And I remember, I remember cutting the class, the, the next class that I had because I was so under conviction. And I remember getting away from everybody and walking and praying and say, God, if you'll be my helper from this day until the day that I die, if you'll be my helper every single day of my life, I'm going to walk with you. I want you to stand with us tonight, if you will. Father, thank you for the message we've heard tonight. And Lord, if you're dealing with hearts about any decision at all, Father, right now, I pray they're coming. I pray they'll come. And Lord, come around this altar tonight. And Lord, make those life-changing decisions because that's exactly what they'll be. Lord, to to start a family altar is a life-changing decision. Lord, to come around an altar tonight and say, by the grace of God, Lord, if you'll help me, Lord, if you'll help me by the grace of God, from this day on, every single day, seven days a week, I'm going to spend time in that book. Lord, tonight, fill this altar with people that are praying, Holy Spirit, teach me. Spirit of God, teach me. 
Lord, help me to desire the sincere milk of the word. God, have your way in this service. Have your way in this invitation, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Listen, the altars are filled tonight. How about you? How about you? Preacher, I'm just 15. I'm just 16. Oh, what a great time to make a decision like what I'm talking about tonight. To come around an altar and say, God, if you'll be my helper from this day on, I'm just a young person, but from this day on, and if I live to be 90 years of age, every single day I'm walking with Jesus. Every single day I'm gonna spend time in the Word of God. You know what Job said about the Bible? I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You say, preacher, don't you think it's a little fanatical? Well, I don't know. Do you think it's fanatical to eat breakfast every day? You think it's fanatical to turn the television on every day? Think it's fanatical to go to bed every day? Man, if we eat every day, we won't eat this book every day. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, listen, if you need to come, boy, let's make some life-changing decisions at revival time. Would you come? Would you come? Father, I pray your blessing. These that are in the altars tonight, Lord, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful message that we've heard tonight on the Word of God. Clear, precise. Lord, thank you that it's active. Thank you that it's alive. Thank you that it's advantageous. Lord, I believe that with all of my heart tonight. Lord, if, if this church is gonna be changed and if this church is gonna go forward like a mighty army, it'll have to be, it'll have to be using this book. Lord, work in hearts tonight. Father, maybe there's one here this evening that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus. God, I pray you'll help them to come. Have your way, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Just for a moment, I'm gonna ask our personal workers if they just make their way to the front just for, just for a moment tonight because there might be somebody here that needs prayer or there might be someone here tonight that needs the Lord or there could be someone here tonight that needs to rededicate your life to Christ. Listen, church, time's not late. Don't worry about time. If you're here tonight and there's a need and you need someone to help you, we've got some folks up here with the Bible. And so... Right before we sing, if you need to come, would you step out right now? Preacher, it's me. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Hey, would you come? Would you come? Pastor, I have been saved, but I have not followed Jesus in baptism. Would you come tonight? Would you come? Preacher, I'm not where I need to be with Christ. Would you come tonight while we wait? If you're watching by way of live stream tonight, we're honored to have you watch. And thank you so much for tuning in. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now. 704-327-5662. We have some dear folks that are waiting right beside the phone right now. And they want to take your call. And if God's dealing with your heart right now, would you reach for your phone? And would you call that number? We'd love to help you tonight. Would you do that?